You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever fully in-person episode of Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and brought to you by Built Bar are my two co-hosts, Drake and Dave. Gentlemen, it's good to see your faces. How are we doing? We're doing great, man. As long as you don't keep looking at me like this, uh, everything will be great with this nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to echo that and also, uh, yeah, spring game. Good things coming. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, the reason we're getting to do this show live and in person with each other is that we uh, attended the spring game yesterday. The boys were legit. We had the legitimate press pass credentials. We got to go up in the box. Um it was a cool experience. It was a bit surreal, and it it was it was great. But more importantly, was getting to see the team. I mean, this is sort of the culmination of spring practice, and we get to see what are they working on. So, um, we decided to break it down into a uh, to make it more manageable. Each of us observed a, a different position group. So, um, I, I I was watching quarterbacks. I think that's kind of the obvious. But let's start with y'all's groups and. Um, Dave, why don't you go ahead and take it away for us and uh, which of the groups you were observing stood out to you the most and uh, which player specifically stood out the most and was there anything that concerned you? I don't I don't think any player stood out the most in a positive sense, but what was positive was the whole offensive line looked good. We saw the opposite of what I watched in the last open scrimmage, which was the offensive line opening up holes for the running game and giving the quarterbacks time, you still saw both JT and uh, KZ being chased out of the pocket a bit. But for the most part, you saw them have time to make throws. And that's exactly what they did when they had that time. You saw running backs being able to run inside and out. uh, And I was really encouraged by what I saw on the offensive line. What, What really stood out to me, unfortunately, was... Was it Dante Lucas that got just... Yeah, Dante oh. Lucas was a, did his best impersonation of a human turnstile. He literally went one way, the guy went the other way, and he just spun out his own shoes and fell down and just literally missed and completely whipped on a block. But it was the one only bad play I saw from the line all day, honestly. Yeah, right. And other than that, it was all positives. And last time I watched that open scrimmage, it was the D-line dominating. And I don't know what to make of it. Was it the offensive line stepping up their game? Was it the D-line having somewhat of an off day? I don't know, but... I'll tell you what, if I see good play out of the offensive line, I don't care what the excuse is. I'll take it over what we've seen recently. Yeah, I wonder with the D-line, you know, if there's a uh, not being able to hit the quarterbacks. I wonder if that makes them play harder or makes them, you know, kind of not play as hard. But I would think if you know, like, hey, you only have to touch the quarterback with your hand. And by the way, Norvell, someone asked him in the press conference after, like, about him blowing plays dead before the referees even did. You know, he was being very, very quick of, like, if there was any contact with the quarterback, he would stop the play. Sometimes too quick, honestly. Yeah, so I agreed. There was one play where Jordan Travis would have gotten away from it, and actually it was funny because Travis kind of tried to argue with him, like, and he just – anyway. But the point I'm making is I think as a D lineman, if you know you just have to make, like, a one-hand touch, you're going to rush a lot harder – and not because you're not worried about overcommitting or missing the tackle, right? Yeah. Um, so I think seeing the the O line perform well under those circumstances is probably more encouraging than in a full contact scrimmage. Yeah, and it wasn't just one sided. The running game too, right? Like I mean, on those plays, they're still rushing the same way you would expect. 
So to see the running backs have space to operate was, I mean, just a welcome sight. Yeah, and I think, and I want y'all's opinion on this because I, I've talked about before how our numbers drastically improved last year with the O-line um, over the previous year, 2019. But a lot of that I, I felt like was scheme. We got We just got better at disguising the O-line. I, I felt like I saw a lot of passes from the pocket this time. Like, I don't think it was a lot of disguises of their skill. I think they were legitimately providing serviceable pass protection. They did seem like they had enough time to get the job done. So I think except after, what, like two or three rolls that Travis, you know, did, you know, he kind of wanted to and they kind of needed to. But, yeah, I think they had enough time to actually, you know, get the ball out, you know, hit the targets. And, like, I mean, when we go talk a little about why, that's when I come up, I'll go a little deeper with that. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think um, – yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. I actually was surprised just again how much pocket passing we saw. I mean, the play that really stood out to me was um, in the first drive. Uh, Jordan Travis, I think, had an incompletion or something, or maybe two, and then he actually threw like a forty-five yard bomb from the pocket. Um, but Drake, before we get to your position groups, just for the general group, um, I want to talk about. The red zone offense was highly unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you guys What do you guys make of that? I mean, what? So for those, you know, Jordan Travis hits that long pass. I think all three quarterbacks got us into the red zone, and I think Kinsey had a touchdown. He had Kay- one from outside the red zone. Kinsey had two trips to the red zone. Okay. Um, JT only had one of them, pretty sure. Yeah, and I. But we just, I mean, JT's drive it was odd again. He threw an absolute dime uh, on a seam route. Gets caught. It was like I think it was like third and seventeen. They they get a big first down, and then they just I mean no, just nothing happened in the red zone. It, it, you know, and they, I think they tried to use like Corbin and a wildcat. It was weird. Anyway, you know, we were we were talking about it in the press box to each other, saying they got a score here, and it's a problem we've seen for what two years now. It hasn't really mattered who the offensive coordinator has been. It was the same problem under Bryles, where we get down there and we just can't punch it in and. I don't know if that's a play personnel issue or a scheme issue, but if that continues, we're going to have problems winning games. And not only that, if we do end up, you know, missing out on a touchdown, we'll have to go to the field goal against special teams. And we saw <laughs> yesterday how absolutely just, I'm just going to say, they're, they're awful. They're not good at all. I didn't see one good kicker at all, you know, hit inside 35 consistently. You, you asked last week, I think, how close would they need to be for you to feel comfortable with a field goal? I think I said 30 or 35. It's now like 20. Yeah, yeah. Our folks, if there's one thing you want to leave this episode knowing, um, our kickers are bad. Uh, it, the only good moment I saw from a kicker yesterday because it provided levity in the press box, which like it's kind of odd. In the press box people don't really like talk to each other. It's pretty silent. But the one moment where everyone kind of said something was when I think Grothouse just misses a kick wide right and just like throws his arms up and celebrate. And the, the referees are over there signaling like no good. And I guess he thought it had gone in and he starts to celebrate. And it's like, well, you heard a lot of gas inside when that happened. I, I kind of try not to laugh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're just not, not good at all. And unfortunately that's what we're stuck with. So hopefully, you know, we can have a solid starter by the end of it. Um, someone that's consistent. You know, Fitzgerald, I hope he gets the kicks a little bit higher because, like Dave was right, they come out extremely low. So if he does that, I think we have potential with him there because he has a stronger leg. But for right, right now, I don't feel comfortable with him at all. Yeah, and I, I just – I don't know how you fix that. You know, it's like when you're talking about kickers, I mean, can they 
I don't know, can you get better at kicking? To me, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you're either, I mean, by this point, if you're a sophomore in college, right, like, you're either good at it or not. I don't think there's any, Yeah. you know, anyway, so it's it's concerning. But, folks, what's not concerning is that team that you know that is definitely going to win this week. You know who I'm talking about. It's your absolute lock. It might be in the NHL. It might be in the NBA. But either way, you got to throw some cash on it and make sure you win some money. If you're wondering where you should do that, well, go on over to betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, they've got all those sports. Uh, they got golf. They have probably tennis, literally anything you want to bet on, reality shows, award shows. They have props for you. So head on over to betonline.ag, and it'll even give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. O-N on betonline.ag promo code locked on. So Drake, let's go over to what you were watching because I had said, I, I think maybe on the episode Dave and I did together, I don't I don't know if you were on that episode. My biggest concern um, of this team was who can catch the football. So uh, I think because of my implicit bias, it kind of made sense for you to be the one that watched receivers, and I know that you have several thoughts. So tell us, wise one. Wise one. Thank you for that beautiful, beautiful introduction. But no, I mean, yeah, actually that was a fun edit, uh, episode to edit because I was Dave that later said, I just want you to just catch the ones that are just basically thrown to you, which is basically one problem. I mean, I've been a very vocal critic of Ron Dugans because he had a huge issues with drops with his wideouts over at Miami. And this past game, honestly, they actually – performed a lot better than I thought they would. There was, from my account, there was only one egregiously bad drop. Is that Helton or that, Ontario Wilson? That was Ontario Wilson. Pokey, that, that's a ball that I've always had a problem with him. People think he's, you know, can be a stud. I remember Kirk Herbstreit, like, last year was like, he did a potential middle-round draft pick if he came out. Yeah. I don't see that. I mean, like, you should play DB because you don't have any hands, kid. <laughs> um, well, in the drop, too, you're talking about, if I remember right, was a tunnel screen where he would have had 40 yards to run. Yeah, because he actually got a great block on the outside, I think, for Burrell. Mm-hmm. So Burrell throws a great block. Jordan Travis, no arc on the ball, sends it right, nails it in the hands, and he drops it. And I think what what upset me about that drop mm-hmm. was he looked at he looked at Travis and kind of gave him one of these. And mm-hmm. it's like, and then Norvell actually ended up tearing into him because I think Norvell saw what we saw. It's like, dude, don't when it hits you in the hands, don't blame your quarterback for that. No, I mean basically, I mean that was your own damn fault. But other than that, also they played really well. They actually got the separation really well, and like that, I'll go in my next day with DBs in a little bit. But like they actually ran really clean routes. The only one that we had an issue with was another. It was like there was a pass to um, Portier. Was, Port, no, it wasn't Portier. It was Burrell. The, I think it was Burrell or um, I think maybe Jordan Young on the outside, where we didn't know whether or not that Jordan Travis overthrew the pass or if the rat was playing with that. Right, But right. that, to me, was more on how the DB played it because if you look at Brownlee during that play, it was a little, little hand-finding. He held him in the hip with that. And then yeah. uh, we also had like really good plays by... I mean, Josh Burrell, what to me was the star of that day. That Josh Burrell, to me, like is playing like a mini little Anquan Bolden. He, that, I mean, that's beautiful, beautiful, just streaking route that he ran from Mackenzie Miller for, what, 40 yards for yeah. a second red zone trip? I mean, that was a thing of beauty. Who made that catch, though? Because So, so KZ's touchdown, and again, I know y'all are going to think, oh, Max just, you know, wants to lobby for Jordan Travis. I do, but that's not. But his first touchdown, I mean, it was like a low, tight wind. It was a good throw, but it required a great catch. Who grabbed that? All right, so that was caught by Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson didn't, pl- didn't play much last year because I'm pretty sure he had a high ankle sprain. The thing about that, though, 
was I mean it was put that the, the ball was literally put in the only place that only he can catch it now and luckily and luckily yeah he I don't know how he was able to control that and also stay in balance because I'm pretty sure like half of his body was almost out of yeah, balance. Yeah, because it was in the cor- front mm-hmm. corner of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Which- and that's someone that Dane Domino, one of our good friends, has been you know pining for. We want to see more of him, and I really am excited to see that. I think he's a really quick runner, has great running. He's really shifty, and also you can tell with um, on separation with the DBs, he was being extremely physical. He, he bowled over Akeem Dent, yeah. who actually had a good day. Yeah, and it, but, so I guess you'd say that. But Dent did make the tackle, though. Yeah. He just, yeah. He got, he yeah, he, he just got he just got a better – he just got the ball. He just won the one-on-one. And just, it's, yeah. it's just a great, phenomenal catch. You'd say, then, that the underclassmen are what we have to look forward to then, right? Yeah, I think right now we, we are – the room is really bright. I just wish they were a little bit older, a little more seasoned because Malik McLean was also was a stud of the yeah, day. He had that's the, what he, I wanted to talk he about. Had the, yeah. He had the touchdown on the first drive with Jordan Travis. A beautiful little seam route with that. And then we had Josh Burrell who looked great. And even the guys in their second year, like Ja'Kai Douglas played really, really well, like out little gadget player. I think Corey Rand went out wide for a second. Keyshawn Helton actually looks more comfortable with his cuts, with his route running, which, oh, is, which Rand, is nice Rand to see. Oh, also did have a bad drop. Remember the one down oh, the sideline? Right. Yep. Oh yeah, no, he's yeah. so fast. But yeah, I think I think he uh, took off running before the ball hit his hands. That's probably what definitely. That's what happened. it was. Yeah, yeah. His eyes moved downfield. And um, no, I'm glad you brought McLean though. I mean, look, I'll, I'll say this, and and tell me if this is a fair assessment. This was the unit I was the most concerned about heading into the day. Uh, I I am actually very high on this unit now. I mean, they. I, I think Malik McLean as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's. At six four, that he's our number one receiver to me, and I don't mean our, our best in the room. I mean he's going to play that number one spot. The he's going to play, yeah, whatever. Yeah. The, I don't know what what terminology they call it, but the Tamori and Terry spot. Uh, he's got the height. He's fast, and you said it first. That kid and Burrell are both physical as heck. They're dogs. They're dogs. I'm I mean, really excited. And I do want to harp though before we because I know we're running out of time on my segment real quick. I'm not. We're not saying that this because the DBs look terrible. The DBs actually played. Extremely, extremely well. They were yeah. physical. They actually were manning up on their plays. They weren't physically big except for minus the Akeem Dent play. Where actually he played a lot better than I thought he would. Yeah. And he he has been having this five star you know potential since he got here. He hasn't been living up to him. And now it seems like he's got he's fully healthy. He's there. Jerry and Jones, who also was you know dealing with a nagging ankle injury as well. He actually looks like he's back. I think he dropped a pick though. And then also Kevin Knowles is a freshman to watch out for. Kevin Knowles second. He actually was he got the low the sole pick of Tate Rodemaker yesterday. On a ball that was, I mean, it was like it was kind of lazy throw, but it was something. Uh, it's an interception that we did not think would usually happen because our DBs had just you know had the case of the dropsies. And I mean, I said last episode when, when I was on with you uh, a few days ago, where I was like, I just wanted you to catch the ball, and thankfully Kevin listened in. Yeah, you know, we said to each other, even on the good catches, the DBs were there. Agreed. Like yeah. the throws were good, the catches were good, but it's not like the DBs were just beat; they were in position. Right. So that's the thing is is. Um you know, and I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here so it doesn't get misheard. But if you didn't watch the game, you know, the the good the, the number of catches we saw were the receiver beating the DB at the point of attack. So as they were catching it, it wasn't like a DB was 20 yards away from him. And now you could say that causes some concern, but, and this is what Drake is going to talk about in, in just a minute here, um, for every great catch, I mean, there were a lot of great plays by the DB. One of the freshmen, I, I forget his name, had a pick, and it was like, but it was just a pure instinct broke on the Yeah, that was, that was the duck that uh, Tate Robinson threw over the middle. Yeah. That, that, like I said before, that that's a uh, that was a ball that we thought would never get picked because our, you know, our DBs you know, can't catch the damn ball, and Kevin Knowles, you know, she played that one really, really well. 
There's a lot of tight contested coverages. It, basically, yes, what it was. The wide receivers, you know, when they got the ball, when they caught the ball, they mainly beat their man. Outside of, I think, one, oh, there's a play that I think the Jordan Travis touchdown where who was it? I think it was was it McDonald or was it uh, was it McLean who like sat in on the zone and then oh, that's right. Up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of that, honestly, like I am extremely pleased with what uh, Coach Woodson's doing right now with this staff. They, they're bringing back an intensity and a viciousness and a physicality that we haven't seen in a long time with our DBs, and that's what I really like to see. Like they start from point A to point B, and they're, I'm actually stoked about this unit now. And I'm honestly I have nothing really bad to say except maybe just I want them to consistently you know keep this up, I guess. And then with the wideouts, like you know, fix some of those drops, like especially I mean the tunnel screen you said earlier about with, with Pokey with the Corey Brand as well, but. Other than that, I mean, our skill our skill guys look like they're old school four state skill guys. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about that is the DBs making one on one tackles in space. That was really great to see because we've had tackling issues for way too long. Uh, yeah, you see Brendan Gant murder yeah. somebody. Yeah. Well, Brendan Gant did, but Brendan Gant also got, and this is who I'm going to talk about in our segment when I talk about running backs. He got absolutely lit up by DJ. Oh, yeah. Um, and he, but, <laughs> but again, he hung on and made the tackle. So he turned what could have been a 25-yard gain into like a six-yard gain. Three of those yards came after he got his, his clock clean. But, you know, I, I agree. I think the tackling in space was incredible. I mean, night and day from what we saw last year. Folks, we've got about seven minutes left. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a little gone, as you could tell. We've got about seven minutes left. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk offensive backfield and linebackers. But... If you guys feel like you haven't gotten your sports filled because you only get 25 minutes with us, why don't you all head on over to Locked On Today when you're done listening to us. And that's where our boy Peter Bukowski will fill you in on all the stuff going on in the sports world so you can be up to date in 20 minutes and know everything you need to know. Folks, if you're trying to get your your snacking out of the way and you want to be healthy rather than just grabbing like a candy bar or a bag of chips... Grab a Built Bar instead. In fact, head on over to BuiltBar.com. Order a whole box of them. Built Bar is, well, for me, it's it's unlike any other protein bar I've ever eaten. And trust me, I've tried them all. That's 17 grams of protein, 5 grams of carbs, 5 grams of sugar. It just has about 100 different flavors. So, you know, there's 12 original. There's 6 new flavors. Uh, the caramel brownie is actually my new personal favorite, although the cookies and cream is a close second. It literally is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's kind of like when you, uh, you know, you give kids good tasting toothpaste and they don't even realize it's good for them. Same thing, but for grownups. So go to builtbar.com, order yourself a box, and use the code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order. It's builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15. I promise you won't regret it. In fact, you'll, uh, you'll probably thank me for sending you that way. So then let me ask you all this from from the wide receivers since, you know, it sounds like we all watch them pretty closely. Who do you all think um, wins the most improved award? But not for them over last season, but who do you think hasn't, how do I put this, has made, we think that unit is way better than it was last year. Who do you give the gold star to of that's the guy that I feel like has done, elevated the unit the most? I'm going to say Burrell. Just okay. the way, just like I said, I can see I see shades of Anquan Bolden with him, same size. Not the fastest guy in the room, but he will beat you down. Very physical guy. And like yeah. he's got this to me, I think he probably has the surest hands on the team because I remember from a scrimmage the last week and the week before, McLean did have a few drops. I think remember you mentioned that with Tate Rodemaker, like two potential touchdowns were dropped by Millie McLean. And Burrell, I haven't really heard that much of an issue, and I'm pretty sure I think I've been hearing this thing that he's a, has the best hands on the team, and I kind of saw that yesterday. So mine is uh Josh Burrell. 
Great blocker too. Yeah, mine's McLean. Um, he was all he may have dropped it, and that's been a problem for us. So I'm not gonna act like that's fine. But he was in position. I mean, he got enough separation that the ball was there. And if he starts making those catches, which I know is a lot easier said than done with this team, but if he starts making those catches, he's going to be the number one receiver on this team. He's 6'4". He's huge. He fills that cherry roll. And before him, uh, who was it before him? Oh, dude, you know I'm terrible. I know you're talking about. I can it was it Autumn Tate? Autumn Tate. Autumn yeah. Tate, yeah. Like, we've always had that big guy. Like, when we've been that playing. Calvin Benjamin before right, that, right, exactly. We've always had one of those. And it seems like we may finally have another one. Yeah, no, I think that's I, I think those are two great names. I mean, for me, the the most improving of the unit is is an older guy and you said he you know, he's out last year at the injury, but I heard B Rob's name every five seconds. Um, I don't know how many actual catches he had on the day, but I, I felt like he was you know, he was really involved in a lot of plays and um, just again it's it's good to see that you know, you can have a youth movement without the older guys getting pushed out. So it's nice that hopefully he'll bring some. Um, I also do wanna say I think what Drake is probably thinking, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get the pokey hype. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I just we've heard so much like good about him. Like he definitely has. I can see the talent is definitely there, which is probably why he gets a lot of the praise. Like in practice, he might, but to me, he might just be a practice guy, a warrior, kind of like how James Blackman was when he was here. Like he's great in practice with that pads, but then when you know game starts, I just don't really see him. He's got the drops. Um, like you said before, he uh, like he kind of pointed the finger over at Travis when he had that issue. Which maybe was a frustration, maybe it was a miscommunication with him, but also you gotta understand that like, hitching the hands like that and you need a new the ball going to you, you gotta be a little more prepared for that. But yeah, I just don't I personally don't get it. I don't. I don't so yeah, same thing with Jordan Young. I, I didn't really hear his name that much either. I mean great nickname, Abusing Park is probably the best nickname I've ever heard in my entire life. But yeah, those two just I I don't know. I hope they figure it out because we kinda we do need them. We need the death in that room badly to work out. Yeah, let's not end on a negative, though. We just named three names we're actually excited about in this receiver unit, which we definitely could not have said last year, given Terry was out. I couldn't have said that last week, to be honest. I mean, these guys have really improved. You know, yeah, I think think it's a highly improved unit. So let's go talk about the ones that everyone wants to talk about, uh, who I got the pleasure of observing, and that's the quarterbacks. I think that um, I put on Twitter that, you know, I think KZ looked great. Uh, to me, Jordan Travis is still my QB1 if they were going to start tomorrow. Uh, he looks – gosh, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I, I think Jordan Travis looks measurably and noticeably more comfortable running the offense than he did even last year. I just think he sort of has a poise to him, and it just seems like he understands the schemes a little more, which you'd expect to see. Um, that being said – the one we only saw KZ for like one drive really two drives two drives yeah you know he looked I mean his arm is phenomenal I mean he had one really bad underthrow um Travis also had one really bad overthrow I mean I I would rather see a ball on a deep ball get overthrown than underthrown but that depends on where the safety is going to be so anyway point being they both had one really bad one KZ looked great this battle is going to come down to I would imagine Norvell names a starter like you probably think what the the week before the Notre Dame I think game. The week so that of, way, yeah. I think, that's that's I think literally like what we like how we heard Georgia Tech announce Jeff Sims the night before. I would also I would honestly just say right then and there because like there's no you get no benefit for naming Jordan Travis a starter and letting Notre Dame prep exactly this way you have to prep for Jordan Travis and his legs. 
And then with Mackenzie Milne, you have to prep for, you know, potentially, you know, how are we going to prep for him now? Is he still the guy from 2018? Is he yeah. from 2017? But, I mean, yeah, I just don't think that we're actually going to know um, for a while. Do you, but, Max, did you actually think at all that um, – one thing I did notice about Travis, and I've been kind of, like, harsh on him with his arm strength. Did you notice any, like, extra zip or power on the arm? Yeah, I did, actually. I think that that um – I think that that deep ball that he threw on third and 17, which he threw from the pocket, uh, that was a powerful throw. He pushed down field. I think the throw that Pokey dropped on the, his screen passes had zip on him. Mm-hmm. I think it's still a concern. I mean, look, he's not a what's-his-name from Wisconsin, our, our old transfer. He's not uh-huh. Hornybrook. Yeah. Um, but he certainly doesn't have the arm strength of, of an Aaron Rodgers. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not going to... He's not going to fit it in. And I think for Travis, you know, where he needs to improve is less about getting his arm stronger because I just don't know with the way a football is thrown at, at 21 years old, like he's been doing it for, 20, you know, whatever, 15 years. I don't know if his arm is going to be able to throw the ball much quicker. What I do think he improved at significantly is you can tell he understands the routes better and his timing is getting a lot better. So if you have a weak, if you have a weaker arm, well, you can – you know, and you time your throws better, it's going to look like you're throwing a ball, you know, whereas Jameis could wait until the last second and sling it in there. He's not that quarterback, but his timing looked a lot better. Um, and I want to talk to because I didn't mention him at first, uh, about Tay Rodemaker. You know, my, my takeaway with him is just, look, if we end up in a smag situation where in five years from now we don't, you know, some recruiting has gone awry or something and he has to start a season – if he progresses each year the way he's progressed from what we saw last year, I feel like he could probably be a serviceable starter in, in four or five years. Um, I you know Obviously, that's probably irrelevant. Shouldn't give you guys a, a ton of optimism, but uh, it, it makes me feel better about Kenny Dillingham's coaching, seeing how far he's come in just a year. Yeah, Tate... I mean, I don't. I think it's probably a between the years thing with him. His game's moving quick for him, but his arm talent is there. I mean, he has a powerful arm. I know, Drake, you don't love you some Tate. Yeah, I'm going to let you guys talk about him because I don't see it at all. I mean, James Blackman also had a really, really good arm, and to me they're basically the same player, but you guys can continue on that. No, no, I think that's fair, but I also think that James Blackman being coached by Kenny Dillingham and Mike Norvell for four years would have probably been a pretty good quarterback at the end of it. I think James Blackman not getting thrown to the Wolves, and, you know, I mean, you look at Rodemaker, same thing. I mean, he kind of – first thing he had to do was go out there against Miami in a game that was going to be a huge blowout. And he didn't help the situation. But again, I, I think he's much improved from last year. And I think that for me, I'm I'm taking that not about, oh, you'll see Rodemaker in the QB battle. You won't. Rodemaker right. is very clearly QB3. But it makes me feel good about the coaching these quarterbacks are clearly getting by how much they were able to improve him. Yeah, I just want to say one thing about KZ. If, if you guys watched his YouTube highlights at UCF, the the best thing that I saw yesterday was you saw similar throws to the highlights you see on YouTube. You saw that seam route over the middle. That was that was a throw we haven't seen on this team uh, since he threw the best balls. All DeAndre day. Francois, maybe one hundred percent. Yeah, don't don't let my loving of Jordan Travis take away from the fact Mackenzie Milton is very clearly the most naturally gifted quarterback on this roster. Mm-hmm. I just I just can't discount. I mean, one play I wrote down in my notes that was Jordan Travis ran a between the tackles direct QB run and got seven yards playing one hand touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's so quick, he's so elusive. So I don't again I don't know who's going to win it, but yes, do not let me 
Don't go around saying Max said short Travis has a better arm than Mackenzie Milton. That's not true. And unfortunately, folks, we are we are running short on time here, but we have more stuff to talk about about the spring scrimmage. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it was great. I'm glad we got to do a live episode here. Talked about a lot of cool things. I uh, can't wait to talk a little more in depth about running backs and linebackers and just the general direction of the team tomorrow. So make sure you check us out every day, five days a week. We are here at Locked on Seminoles. Uh, and also make sure whatever you're listening to us on, Stitcher, Apple Pods, Spotify, whatever it is, rate, review, five stars, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. We love you. We're glad y'all are listening to us. We really appreciate the support. And I cannot wait to go get on the road, drive to Tampa. And yeah, that's about it. So for that, I'm Max, your host, and trying not to laugh next to me are Dave and Drake. We'll see y'all tomorrow. It's not working out, but take care, buddy. Oh, no. (laughs) 